Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Happy Easter and thank you for celebrating Easter Sunday with us. I want you to turn around, high five somebody and tell them, Jesus is alive, he's no longer in the grave, he is risen. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. This is Easter Sunday. Woo! Man. I absolutely love celebrating Easter. It's the day when Christ's followers celebrate the resurrection of our Savior and the centerpiece of everything that we believed. It's been my favorite holiday. I've loved it since I was a kid. But I love celebrating Easter as a kid for different reasons than I do as an adult. I, I love the egg hunts and the Easter egg candies. And, and I thought we'd do something a, a little bit different today. I, I thought I would bring an Easter basket with me. And I thought we'd play a game this morning, an experiment, and find out what is your favorite Easter candy? So I, I want you to make some noise for your favorite Easter candy. How many of you like Peeps this morning? You like some Peeps? Man, Peeps, peeps are all right. Let, let me tell you about Peeps. But back in the day when you had Peeps, like before 95 actually, there was only one flavor of Peeps, and they were yellow, and they were just vanilla. But now, Peeps have stepped it up. you got watermelon Peeps. You got pink and syrup peeps. You got blue raspberry peeps. Like peeps is awesome. Who wants some old school peeps this morning? Want some old school peeps? Who wants? I'll give you my, my brother right there from another mother. Boom, right? Oh, wait, got that, got that, got that. Okay. Nice catch. But how many of you guys want the real peeps? Who wants some sour watermelon peeps this morning? Let's see, raise it. Okay, right there. We got sour watermelon peeps. Who wants pancake and syrup peeps? Make the loudest noise. You can shout. Okay, right there, pancake. I'll, I'll hit the baby. Oh, okay, man. Right. Who wants blue raspberry peeps? Make, make, yell, yell. Okay, right there. My bump right there. Catch it. Oh, yes. Yes. But here, how about this? How about my favorite egg from the Easter Sunday? The Cadbury eggs. These babies right here are covered with thick milk chocolate. And they're, with, they're filled with a sweet yellow filling in the middle. There's nothing like biting into one of these and that thick chocolate just filling your mouth. And then when you think that's not enough, that sweet feeling just gives you all kinds of cavities and you just don't care. <laughs> Anybody want some Cadbury eggs? Yeah, we got some Cadbury eggs. I'm, I'm going to be throwing them. If you make, make some noise, Cadbury eggs there. Cadbury eggs there. I feel like the Easter bunny up in here. Right there, Cadbury eggs. Oh, we got one more, one more. Who wants some? Right there. Okay. It's, it's, well, I hope we don't hit anybody. But now, the granddaddy of them all. Who? Who? loves the chocolate Easter bunny. Okay. The first one to get up here and take it from me gets a chocolate Easter bunny. Who wants it? Oh, yes. Hey, 
I got one more that I'll give away after the last service, so we got, we got to use this for a prop, right, okay? Man, I remember the first time I ate a chocolate Easter bunny as a kid. I felt so disappointed. I felt ripped off. You know why? I bit down into those ears expecting to have thick chocolate fill in my mouth. And when I bit into it, guess what it was? Hollow. Air. So disappointed. I cannot believe that there was not thick. I was like, what the heck? Where's all the chocolate? Like this particular Easter bunny, just so you know, it, it has a warning. Hollow milk chocolate. <laughs> I think what happened to this Easter bunny is uh, a kid just like me tried to bite into it, realized it was hollow, became a lawyer, and then sued their pants off. <laughs> so now they got to put a warning on that chocolate Easter bunny. Yeah, like the warning is really small right there. Yeah, all this thing, really small hollow. Just because you're hollow on the inside. I'm not bitter at you. I'm not bitter at you. But many people feel this way about life. They thought a relationship would really fill them up. And after a few relationships gone bad, they realize it's not enough. It's hollow. Some people think that money, a career, will fill them up. If I can get that job or if I can make that amount of money, then I'll be happy. And they get there and they realize it's hollow. It's like actor and comedian Jim Carrey once said in an interview. I, I hope he said this. I hope everyone can get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of. Then they will know that that is not the answer. See, the great philosopher and thinker Forrest Gump once said, life is like a box of chocolates. But I would say life is like the chocolate Easter bunny. It's hollow. It's because God created us with a hollow place in every one of our hearts that only can be filled with the hope that he has to offer us. That there's something that we're looking for and we can't find it apart from Jesus in the resurrection. That's why I love the Easter story so much. But because of Easter, the Bible says that we can be filled with hope. The word hope in the New Testament appears 71 times. But here's something to think about. Of those 71 times, 70 of those times, it comes after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope. Turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 24, verse 1, as we learn about the hope Easter offers us from the original Easter story. Let me set the stage for you. Jesus was crucified on the cross. Everybody had put their faith in him. They thought he was the Messiah that would deliver them. But he died. He'd been taken down and been placed in the tomb. The stone had been rolled to seal the tomb. And guards are guarding the tomb. And the followers of Jesus are very, very sad. They're having a bad, bad day. Their hope seems like it's gone. Their savior seems like he's dead. The story seems like it's over. And there's no concept for what's about to happen next. Look at verse 1. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. These women were taking spices to prepare the body of Jesus and get it ready for burial. Verse 2. They found out that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of Jesus. So they stood there puzzled, you think? Two men appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. See, there's so much to that story. First of all, 
for that culture and that time for the writer Luke to even mention that women were the first ones to find the tomb was a huge statement. A woman's position in the ancient world was very different than it is today. Women didn't have rights. They were considered more like a piece of property than even like a human being. In the first century, a woman's testimony wasn't even taken seriously in court. So if you were fabricating this story, if you were making up this story in the first century to create a conspiracy theory, you would not have made women the eyewitnesses in this story. You would have made men the witnesses. But according to scholars, the fact that women, witnesses, were the first ones that told the story in the first century, though it invalidated in the first century, in the 21st century, it brings tons of validation that Jesus in his wisdom would let us know that this isn't just make-believe, this isn't just some random story, but he would even put the facts, little random facts that women saw the, G, the tomb for the first time empty would validate that this indeed is a story that is made, not made up, but is true and full of factual evidence. And then these women go tell the rest of the disciples. When they told the disciples, the disciples thought their story was crazy. Look at verse 11. The story sounded like nonsense to the men. There's men for you. I always get into the last, right? So they didn't believe it. It was just as crazy 2,000 years ago as it is today to say someone has risen from the dead. They're like, what? However, verse 12, Peter jumped up. He ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and he saw the empty linen wrappings. And when he went, then he went home again wondering what had happened. Peter goes in. He checks it out. He investigates what the women have said. As he walks in, he's wondering what all this means. And what is fascinating, Peter comes to a place where he believes in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. He came to faith and belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, according to church history, he died for his faith in the resurrected Christ. And not only did he die, he felt that he was not even worthy to die like Christ and be crucified. So they crucified him up so, upside down. See, very few people would die for something that is a lie. And Peter would go on to write a letter to the early church about the hope of the resurrection. And in his letter, in 1 Peter 1 verse 3, this is what he writes. Praise be to the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The first thing that Peter says is that we have a living hope, that Jesus is alive, that this is not made up, this is not a fairy tale, this is not some pie-in-the-sky stuff, this is reality. He is writing to an audience that says, hey, you guys have seen it, you know it, you can dispute it, he is alive. The writer of Corinthians tells us that over 500 people witnessed the resurrected Christ, including the disciples. And here's one thing to think about. All of the disciples believed that Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, they all died a martyr's death because they preached that Jesus was risen from the dead. They believed it and they validated that belief by signing it with their own blood. It's one of the reasons I believe the Easter story so much. See, there's a significant amount of reliable, verifiable evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. It's a matter of historical fact, not just through the Bible, but other sources like respected historians, Josephus, Irenaeus, Tacitus, who weren't even Christians, that they said there was a man named Jesus who died on the cross and that people from all over Jerusalem and the Roman Empire believed that he was resurrected. There is no denying the fact that this happened. If you're interested in that, 
There's a man by the name of Lee Strobel who was an agnostic who began to disprove the resurrection, but he began to look at the proof, and he began to realize that it's true. You can go on Amazon and buy his book, Case for the Resurrection, for $1.99. But just think about the impact of the resurrection. Think about the impact that day had. Today, there will be traffic jams all over the world. There's billions of followers from Brazil to Italy to Kenya to South Korea and all over the world will gather to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. And Peter says this, that we got a tomb opening, grave emptying, funeral, funeral wrecking, life giving, living hope. See, hope is a powerful thing. It's not just optimism. It's just not positive feelings. It's not just good vibes. It's a real living hope. Hope gives us an expectation for a brighter tomorrow. Because of Easter, you can have hope. A hope that's bigger than your bank account. A hope that's brighter than your last doctor's visit. A hope that's bigger than your family problems and current circumstances. A hope that is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A lot of people think of hope sort of like good vibes. They say, I feel hopeful today, so I think something good's going to happen today. For many people, hope is like that Justin Timberlake song from the soundtrack on Trolls, Can't Stop the Feeling. I don't know if you've heard it. I got sunshine in my pocket, got good soul in my feet. I, got, I feel that hot blood in my body. I, I can't sing. I'll just have him do it. Check this out. Off of my home, we're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket, got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off of it, moving so phenomenally. Come on, like the way we rock it, so don't stop. Okay, I got carried away there. <laughs> a lot of people think like, hope is that. I got sunshine in my pocket. But what if you wake up one morning and you got sunshine in your pocket and you got health stones or kidney stones? What if you wake up one day and you don't feel the sun, but you feel the rain coming down on you? Peter says we still have a hope because our hope isn't a feeling. It's not a vibe. It's not based on our circumstances. Our hope is based on the fact that Jesus is alive. And that is unchanging. And because Jesus is alive, we have a hope of a brand new life. The message translation says this. We've been given a brand new life. Have you ever been working on a project and you're halfway through it and you just wish you could start all over again? You're like, oh, it's not turning out the way I want. Have you, been half, have, you been half, have you ever been halfway through life? Even right now, like, I wish I could hit the reset button. I like the way things are turning out. Remember back in the day, I'd play video games. I'd play Madden, and all of a sudden, I'd fall behind in the game, and I didn't like it, so I just hit the reset button, and I'd start all over again, and it was zero, zero. Because of Easter, you can have a brand new start in life. You don't have to live with the guilt and the shame of your past mistakes and failures. See, there's a story of a man by the name of Cornelius Anderson, in the early 2000s, he was arrested and convicted of burglary. After his conviction, the judge told him to await instructions and then report to prison. But the instructions never came. He waited for days and then months, years passed by, nothing happened. So Cornelius Anderson gets married. He has three kids. He turns his life around. He learns carpentry. He starts a business. He becomes a model citizen. He pays his taxes. He gets his driver's license. He doesn't get caught speeding because he never doesn't want even to risk it. Then one day in July, 13 years later, the Missouri Department of Corrections realized their oversight. They sent a SWAT team full of automatic weapons, and they pounded on the door of the home of Cornelius Anderson. 
and they, they took him away to serve his sentence in the Missouri State Penitentiary. His attorney was interviewed for, interviewed for the story, and, and he said this. He said, he knew that, I told him that one day they were going to come from him, and he needed to be ready. See, in the back of our minds, we know the mistakes we make, we know the sin, we feel the guilt, we know the things we've done wrong, and because of those things, guilt sometimes overwhelms us. But here's the good news of Easter, because of Easter, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can have forgiveness and a brand new life. This morning, I want you to hear the story of someone in, from our church who experienced the new life that Easter offered them. Watch the screens. My son was three years old when I lost custody of him. I remember looking in the mirror crying. I didn't even recognize the person looking back at me. I thought to myself, how in the world could you end up like this? How could you get so far off track? When I was five years old, I was molested by a neighbor. The fear consumed me, the guilt, the shame. I somehow thought this was my fault. I coped with it as best I could and went on with my life, but the pain progressively grew worse. I ended up severely depressed. I had no identity. I, I started looking for love and acceptance in all the wrong places. I was 12 years old the first time I started smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol. This was just the relief I was looking for. At the time, I didn't realize what a dark road this was about to lead me on. By the time I was 23, I was a full-blown heroin addict. I had destroyed every relationship that once meant so much to me. I ended up doing some really awful things, mostly to my family to support my habit. They wanted nothing to do with me. And instead of getting the help that I needed, I plunged even deeper into my addiction. I ended up losing everything. I became homeless, but even more worse than that, I was completely hopeless. I remember day after day I would cry out to God who at the time I didn't even believe in and just ask him, please just end my life. I don't want to live in this miserable existence anymore. But by his grace, April 20th, 2017 was the last day I used. It was the, life, the day that changed my life forever. I can still recall the day that I was in my jail cell and I said I got to do something different. I prayed to God for the first time. I said, God, if you're out there, if you're real, please just help me. I can't do this on my own. I need you. It was an instant feeling of relief. A sense of peace and serenity fell on me like I'd never felt before. I had hoped for the first time in years. It was crazy to think I was in the most confined spot that I'd ever been in in my life, yet I felt the freest on the inside. Last month, a miracle happened. I was granted custody of my son. I have an amazing life I never thought was possible. I was blessed with another baby boy and my family's been restored. But most of all, I have a relationship with my Creator. I share my story to first and foremost glorify Jesus, but to secondly, give hope to those who are broken and hurting just like I was. I have been made new, restored, and forgiven by Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? We serve a God who gives 
brand new starts. It gives hope to hopeless situations. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if it feels hopeless to you, but I'm telling you, I don't care where you're at. You can be in a jail cell. There is hope for you because God can change everything in a moment with his brand new life. The third thing Paul tells us is not only do we have hope of a new life, he says we have a hope that heaven is our home. Look at verse 4. He says, we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. We have a hope that is beyond the reach of all these things that can, that can steal our hope. I, I love what Peter says. He says, it'll never perish. It'll never spoil. It'll never fade. See, the early followers of Jesus live for the hope of heaven. Their ultimate expectation for a brighter future wasn't anchored in this world. It was anchored in Jesus and the world to come. They believed that heaven was real. The Bible tells us that heaven is a place where we will be with Christ forever. That he will redeem and renew everything. There will be no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning, no more suffering. It's the ultimate place of victory. In other words, it's the opposite of being a Dallas Cowboys fan. No more loss, no more difficulty, but there'll be no more pain, no more shoulder pain, no more neck pain. For those of you that are older, th over 35, no more going to bed and waking up with hurting in spots that you didn't even know you had. <laughs> but a year ago, we lost a great spiritual leader, Dr. Billy Graham. And when he died, his most famous quote circulated all over social media. He said this, someday you will re you will." Read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will have just changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. Because of Easter, we have the hope of heaven. Author Philip Yancey tells about an unusual funeral service that he observed. Friends and family had gathered around the casket. There was no singing. No words were shared. No stories were given. But the set time, they all put a peppermint in their mouth. They sucked on the peppermint, and when the peppermint dissolved, they just simply walked away. It's the metaphor that this is the end, that life just dissolves. How depressing. Peter says, that's not all that life is, this 70, 80, 90 years on this earth, that hope is beyond this world. And there's a hope that does never spoil, it does never decay, it does never rot it's a hope that death and disease and cancer can't take from us. I can still remember the first time I dealt with disease and death. It was with my beloved Grandma Frescas. She was the rock of our family. She was always praying for us. She was always telling us stories about Jesus. And every time the church doors were open, she was there. Every holiday, we'd go over to her house and she would cook an epic feast. She'd make tamales and enchiladas and beans and chili and tortillas and sopapillas. Oh, Lord, her food made me feel closer to God every single time I ate it. <laughs> and it was at her house that I formed many of my favorite childhood memories. But I'll never forget one day they diagnosed my precious grandma with Parkinson's disease. And as a family, slowly we watched as Parkinson's took her bodily functions away little by little by little. Then a couple years later, the doctor said she had Alzheimer's. And if you've ever seen disease and death 
come at a family member that you love. It is gut-wrenching. It is heartbreaking. Grandma, the rock of our family. Grandma, the one that loved Jesus so much. We saw as Parkinson's took her physical body and shrunk her down to about 67 pounds of just skin and bones. And Alzheimer's rotted her mind where she could not even recognize her own family that she loved so much. And there she was. And after a while, it looked like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's had won. Grandma had died. And I remember being at her funeral, but at her funeral, let me tell you, it wasn't filled with despair. It was filled with hope. There was something deep in the core of who we were. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that says, this is not the end. We'll see her again. And I could literally feel the spirit of the living God said, man, she's with me. There's no more suffering. There's no more disease. Parkinson's doesn't win. Alzheimer's doesn't win. Cancer doesn't win. Disease doesn't win. Jesus wins. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he gives us a hope that there is nothing, nothing, nothing in this world that can take it away. Nothing. And for some of you this Easter, you're away from a loved one. They've gone from you. They've transferred their address into heaven. Let me tell you, they're more alive than they've ever been. And that is the hope of heaven. Here's the truth that I, wanted to I want you to walk away with this morning. Easter means you can have hope no matter what you face. Look what Peter says in verse 6. He says, greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, Circle, underline, highlight, smiley face, that word's little while. You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Some of you are going through a lot of trials right now. The Bible never says you won't go through trials, but it does say they'll, ja they'll last just a little while. It's temporary, and it doesn't even compare to what God has in store for you. Peter says we are to rejoice because we have this living hope that will strengthen us, that will anchor us in our darkest days into certainty. This is what it will do. It will reroute our deepest disappointments into heartfelt hope. For some of you this morning, you feel a huge sense of disappointment. You're disillusioned with life because everything you put your hope in has let you down. It's hollow like the Easter Bunny. You're not where you want to be in your life right now. Your marriage isn't where you want it to be. Your health isn't where it should be. Your paycheck isn't where you'd like it to be. You need a hope that is bigger than your circumstances. I'm here to tell you, you need a living hope. This morning, I want to introduce you to some people who are just like yourself. They're not actors. They're everyday people in our church, and they're going to share their story on a piece of glass of how the living hope of Jesus changed everything for them. Watch your screens. This cross signifies all our broken dreams, our shattered pieces, our, our fragments of our life. So all we had to offer God was brokenness and pain and hurt. But he took it on the cross. He put it on the cross. He took the abuse, the addiction, the loss, the mistakes. And Jesus Christ paid for our sin. He offered us new life. The cross is proof that you can have new life. But the resurrection is the validation that has been paid in full. It's the proof of purchase. It's the receipt. And here's the good news of Easter. Because the tomb is empty, your life can be 
full of the promises and the hope of God. You don't have to have to live with a hollow feeling. You can have the hope of heaven. You can have the hope of a brand new life. Your life can have meaning because of Jesus and all that he's done for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you need hope in. Maybe you're going through difficulties right now. Maybe you're a Christian and you are going through the trials and the struggles. And I'm just here to tell you, this is what Peter says, it will just last a little while. You got hope. Maybe you need a brand new start. Maybe you're in a place where it's dark right now. Your marriage looks like it's over. Your life, your career, your bank account. Let me tell you, we serve a God who gives brand new starts. If you need a new start, it's there. Maybe you're grieving and you're lonely and you lost somebody this year and you miss him terribly. Let me let you know, it is not over. There will be a reunion. You'll see them again. Maybe you got a bad doctor's report and you think it's going to win. Jesus says it won't win, I'll win. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church Podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.